Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 33. I'm your host, Chris Romarez. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a minute, but I'm here. I'm here, and hockey, hockey is also here. Now, we're less than a week away from the start of the NHL season. FanDuel and DraftKings have their DFS slate up. I'm starting to talk hockey. It's uh, it's lit. It's lit, fam. Absolutely lit. But yeah, much love for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, let's get the housekeeping stuff out of the way right now. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Make sure you follow the podcast everywhere you enjoy podcasts. You can find it on Podbean. You can find it on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. It's on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's on the YouTube as well. Make sure you head over to the YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well while you're there. You get some cool hockey stuff. You get some cool Warzone stuff as well. You get a mixture of everything with me. That's what you get there. All right. A uh, couple of things before we start with the main topic today. Uh, Henrik Lungfist got his surgery done for his heart. Everything went well, so congratulations to him. Hope he's on the path to recovery. Uh, shout out to Zdeno Chara as well. Zdeno Chara moving on from the Bruins. What an absolute shocker of a move that is. I didn't think Big Z was going to move out of Boston, but clearly Boston doesn't want to retain much. Uh, let's face it, Chara isn't the player he he once was, but I still think he's serviceable to a team as a bottom pair defenseman or maybe a seventh defenseman. That experience, just the way he plays... He can definitely help out a team. He's in he's in DC now. Wishing the best. Shout out as well to the United States for winning the World Juniors. Trevor Zegras specifically, who just looked unstoppable. It it broke my heart <laughs> to watch Canada not win. Here's the thing, right? Canada didn't face much adversity through the tournament. Not because, I mean, they, they were a good team. That's why. They were a good team. And when you don't face adversity for a long time, and then you do, <laughs> it's a challenge. And not scoring a goal in the gold medal game is probably the best way to lose. But you know, like I said, Trevor Zegers was really good. Spencer Knight was really good. That entire American team was legit. And I was a little ticked off of what, you know, Zegers had to say. About Canada, right? I was like, it's bold there for a kid to kind of say that, but he came out and he backed it up. So, hey, you can say what you want at that point. When you come out, play like you do, dominate like you do, back up the words that come out of your mouth. Basically, he said, look, Canada isn't, you know, maybe Canada's not as good as everybody wants them or everybody thinks that they are, but we're about to challenge them and, you know, we're going to show them. That were the best team. And they did. The Americans were a better team that night. Were they a better team in the tournament? I don't know. But they showed up when it counted. I think maybe that early loss to Russia kind of set them in place, right? They faced the adversity early, right out of the gate. Game one, bang. Russia comes out, does, you know, does what they need to do. The Americans had no answer for them. And then here they are. They come back. Same thing, I guess, against Team Finland, right? USA scores late. They win. There's your adversity. Canada, not that they didn't have... Uh, no, not that they didn't. They had no adversity, right? So, 
Anyways, congratulations to the United States. It is what it is. All right, let's let's dig in here. So this is going to be a podcast specifically about fantasy hockey and draft strategies. So there's a good chance you're doing your draft. Either you've done it, maybe you got a couple more coming up. Season starts Wednesday. So it's time to talk fantasy hockey draft strategies. Now, I've done podcasts like this similar in the past. I've written about it, and I will continue to do so because draft strategies continue to be the one thing that owners just neglect. And I did a podcast over at the Fantasy Alarm with my co-host Andrew Dewhurst. We talked about draft strategies there, or as he likes to call them, draft. I mean, draft plans, right? You can call it a strategy, you can call it a plan, you can call it what you want. But it's important when you show up to your fantasy hockey draft that you have a plan set out, or at least a way that you want to go. Okay. So let's go through a couple of points here that I think are important. I'll give you a moment to grab pen and paper so you can remember this, right? So the first one, or at least the first strat that I like to follow is I want to know my league settings, okay? Now, this one seems basic, right? You're going to tell me, okay, Chris, I get that. But it is absolutely key to make sure you know your league settings, before you show up to the draft. So when I say league settings, right? You, obviously, you know if it's 8, 10, 12 teams. Understand, is it a points only? Is it a head-to-head points league? Head-to-head categories? What are the waiver wire moves, right? Is it a fab budget, right? Free agent acquisition budget, right? Fab. Everybody knows it for baseball mostly. Is it for hockey as well? Are there trade limits? Are there you know, player limits as to how many games they can play. Is there a minimum start for goalies? All this is important information you can A, find in the settings tab. If you're on Yahoo, right, you go to league and then you go settings and you check. Check the point totals as well for certain things. So if you're in a head-to-head points leagues, are goals worth more than assists? All that information is important stuff. You should have your league settings open as you're drafting. That's a general rule of thumb here. You can't go wrong with that. That's my first tidbit of advice. It's the easiest one. It's the one that we need to care about. Okay. The second strat that I like to use, and we can disagree on this. I've obviously, I have other people who don't agree with this, but I'm looking to target goalies early. And again, this will this will vary depending on your league stats, depending on how you feel. I like to target goalies early. And I say this, I understand goalies are are extremely volatile, right? One year you can have a really good goalie, the next year you can have he can be absolute trash. But for me, I'm looking to target goalies early. I want elite goalies. I want them, and I want them early. So, Andre Vasilevsky and Connor Hellebuck are the two best ones, right? It's been no secret to anybody that I'm a big fan of Carter Hart, and I'm a big fan of Tristan Jerry, okay? Big fan. Those are the goalies I'm targeting. If you're in a draft with me, you want to piss me off, you're taking both those those goalies and... That's a pretty good way to 
divert me from that plan. Okay. Goalies are are A, they're harder to find. This season you're gonna have, because of COVID, you're gonna have a lot of backup goalies starting. So true number one goalies, as I like to call them, are gonna be very hard to find. When I say true number ones, I'm talking about a a, a goalie is going to play a large majority of games. So I'm thinking of Andre Vasilevsky, right, in Tampa Bay. He's a true number one. I, I'm going to be real, right? Off the top of my head here, I have no idea who the backup goalie is in Tampa Bay. And it's probably because, you know, he's not going to play much. While I say that, let me go see. I, I, now I need to know. I think it's, is it McElhaney? I know it was Louis, it was Louis Domingue at one point. He's not there anymore. It's Curtis McElhaney. All right. My apologies to Curtis McElhaney for forgetting you exist and that you play hockey. Anyways, Curtis McElhaney is not going to play a ton of hockey. Or at least I don't think he is. And that's the same thing as well for Connor Hellebuck. These are true number one goalies on their teams. So it's normal that they're going to go early. They're elite, right? I think Connor Hellebuck can actually be better than what he was last season. And he won a Vezina. If Winnipeg can stay healthy. But Laurent Brossois and Curtis McElhaney are not stealing a bunch of starts from Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. And then after that, like I said, I feel like Carter Hart is in the same boat. I think the Philadelphia Flyers have an excellent team. Tristan Jerry has nobody to challenge him as well. I think the Penguins are still a good team. They were good last year and they were falling apart, so... Man, healthy, can't imagine what they'll do. So to me, I'm looking to draft goalies early. And again, we can disagree this all you want. That's the strategy I'm following, okay? Here's my third piece of advice. And this one might be the most important one of them all, okay? Be flexible at the draft. Now, what do I mean by be flexible, okay? Okay. It's really, really simple. The strat I just gave you right now, okay? It says, hey, draft goalies early. If you can't draft them early, be ready to move off the plan that you set. You should not go into a draft saying, hey, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to stick to it, okay? Don't do that. You don't know how your draft's going to go. Okay. Piece of advice number four, we'll just slide this in quickly, right? Know who you're drafting with. We talked about it as well in the Fantasy Alarm Podcast. I'm going to reiterate it here as well. You should, A, you should subscribe to the Fantasy Alarm Podcast. Okay. Go over to the fantasyalarm.com, click on podcast, click on subscribe. You'll be fine from there. Let's go back here. Knowing who you're drafting with means that understand if you can, right? Some of you are in home leagues where you've been playing with the you know same friends co-workers or maybe strangers but for a long period of time you know how they're drafting you know what they're looking for are they homers right are they drafting players from their favorite team way too early because that's just what they want to do if so you're going to get a good idea of how the draft's going to go try to get an edge there by understanding who are your league mates you know is there that one guy who shows up to the draft completely unprepared yeah, so be ready for him to do something you're not expecting him to do. These, again, 
very important. But back to point three here for a minute, because this one's important. The reason I say this is I so I had my first draft on Thursday. Okay, draft on Thursday, brand new league, good friends, good peeps in this one. Um, and again, no secret to anybody what my plan is and what I'm trying to do. So I I make my first two picks and. I'm ready to kind of move into my to my goalie pick here, okay? Which means for me, it's the third round. Now I got lucky. I was drafting out of the seven hole, and I got Artemi Panarin at the seven hole, which was mind-boggling to me. I didn't think that would happen. There were other players that I were looking to draft there. I thought maybe Austin Matthew slips to me. But Artemi Panarin at the seven for me, personally, this is a head-to-head categories league with one win. And I got a player that stuffs categories. Right, Our league counts goals, assists. Um, hold on. I know it counts goals, assists. Uh, power play points, shots on goals, and hits. Goalie categories are wins, goals against, goals against the average, save percentage, and shut up. So I got a player in, Parne- in Panarin who scores goals, racks up assists, does stuff on the power play. Hits, I don't really care. We'll get to that a little bit later as to why I don't care. But Artemi Panarin, I get Roman Yossi in round two. I reach on a defenseman here. I get the best defenseman in the draft, I feel, Right, you can debate if it's John Carlson or Victor Hedman. I think Roman Yossi is it. People say maybe, oh, that's too early to draft a defenseman. I got an elite one. I didn't get to draft another defenseman until round nine, but I got it out of the way. Here comes round three. Okay, so I'm looking now to maybe draft a goalie. I'm looking at Carter Hart. Carter Hart goes off the board. Damn it! Now what do I do? Now I could have reached here on another goalie. Right, I could have reached on Tristan Jerry three rounds early and said, well, I need this one. I didn't do that. The goalie run didn't necessarily start here, but they were starting to go off the board a little bit. I didn't get my player. I went off here. I draft Max Pacioretty. Okay? Again, that's a gift, I feel. And round three, I'll do it. Round four, here it comes. Some other goalies go off the board. Nobody I really like. I'm not reaching here. I draft, so Art League can only start two left wingers, okay? So my fourth pick, naturally, is a left winger. I took Taylor Hall. Now, people are going to sit here and say, why? Why would you draft? I see this a lot, right? People say, well, I can't draft this player because I already filled it out, and I need to fill out the rest of my lineup. If your league starts 10 players, let's say, right? or 11 or 12 or whatnot, excluding the goalies, right? Skaters. There, You don't need your first 11 or 10 picks to fill out your entire roster, okay? You don't need that. Don't worry about that. You can draft a bench player in the fourth round. Draft the best player available or draft a player with the most value. Round four, Taylor Hall was a lot of value to me. I said, yeah, I think this player could probably produce a point per game And I'm getting him in the fourth round. Yeah, okay, sign me up. Right, Jack Eichel goes really early, but his new 
you know, his, his new toy on his left side is going to go, what, almost 35 picks later? Yeah, okay, sign me up. I'll take it. Again, now, my first four picks, I have a left-wing defense, left-wing, and left-wing. So I have one left-wing too many. I have no centerman. I have no goalie. Okay? Round five comes around. I'm ready. I'm starting to look. Tristan Jerry goes off the board. Great. Now the two goalies I'm targeting are off the board completely. At this point, maybe some owners panic. They take a goalie they don't want. And what happens? Now you're reaching on players who are not going to return value. Okay? Because a golden rule in, ho- in fantasy hockey, and I hear this so many times, they say, oh, I can't draft this player. I'm not draft. I refuse to draft him. And that is the incorrect way of looking at it. There is no such thing as an undraftable player. Okay? No such thing. Every player is draftable. It's where you're getting value from that player that matters. You're drafting value. Will this player exceed his expectation or not? So, for example, if I told you, right, that I'm drafting, I don't know, I'm going to give you a player here. If I'm drafting Steven Stamkos first overall, you're probably going to say, okay, well, why? Right? Like, that's a terrible pick. There's so many other players that could provide more value at the top spot of the draft, right? Okay, well, if I told you to take, you know, if you grab Steven Stavkos now at 150 overall, well, you're going to say, hey, that's crazy, but imagine the value, right? It's an exaggerated situation, I understand, but you're drafting the same player, okay, my point. Same player, but first overall, it's a terrible pick. 150th overall, it's a gift. Why? Because of value. He will exceed his value at 150, but he will not return value at the first overall pick. Every player, every player is draftable. You have to find the value spot, the sweet spot for his value and say, okay, this is where I'm taking him. That's the important thing in fantasy hockey. Don't look at the player. Look at will he exceed value, right? So a lot of things I like to look at when I'm deeper into my draft. You may have a 14. This was a 12-team league. You may have a 14-team, 16-team, 18-team league. You're going to have to find crazy value on some players, right? So I like to open up either left-wing lock, daily face-off, and start looking at lines. I know they're preseason lines, so they don't stick together, and they'll change a lot. But early lines, who's playing together, right? Who's going to get a start to play right off the bat with a superstar? Who's playing on the power play, right? Because deeper into your draft, you're going to need to find players who, let's say for me, I'm looking at power play points. I'm not going to draft a player who's not playing on the power play because that kind of misses out. He's not going to get goals. He's not going to get assists. He's not going to get power play points. So I open up daily faceoff or left wing lock, as you should. You should have this open. And I start going through some lines. While I'm waiting the draft and see, okay, well, you know, what's working? Who's skating with who? Who's doing what? Edmonton's the perfect example. Who's skating today with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Right? Is it Zach Cassian? Is it Kayla Yamamoto? 
Is it Jesse Priarvi? I want to find who's doing what with who. Keep up to date with that. That's important. This is probably the golden statement in fantasy hockey. You hear it everywhere, right? You can't win your draft. You can't win your league on draft day, but you most certainly can lose it. If you are drafting incorrect players, or if you're not trying to get maximum value on your players that you draft, you're going to start way behind the eight ball and you may never catch up. Right? You can't win it at the draft because you're going to have injuries. You're going to make trades, right? Which is why I drafted a three left wingers in the first four rounds when I can only start two. I now have an extra left winger. I now have a piece that I can move in a trade if I need to beef up my goaltending situation. Somebody somewhere is, has left wingers, but they're maybe not that great. They're maybe not elite. Don't be afraid to draft the best player available because you'll have a trade bait piece. Right? You should be making trades during the season. Right? You should be evaluating. I think there's a, I think I have a podcast about the art of trading. Um, I don't remember which one it is. If you go back, it's probably there. But d- during the season, right, don't trade with the person. I mean, you know your league mates if you do. You'll know some of them who are open for trades, right? There's always that one league mate who's just like he wants to trade everything. He'll trade his entire roster three times before the season's over, right? We all know that guy or girl. So a lot of people just like to reach out to that one person, but maybe that's not the person you need to dance with, okay? Because trading is a dance, right? It takes two to tango. And in fantasy hockey, it's no different when you got to trade. So if I want to move what if Taylor Hall, Max Pacioretty, or Temi Panarin, Well, I got to find an owner somewhere where his left wing position doesn't have much depth and then, you know, dance with him. And maybe he's got goaltending depth. That's how it works, right? You find somebody who's lacking something. Supply and demand here, right? You have excess supply. So find the owner who has a demand for it. And that'll probably facilitate a trade. Let's get back here to this strategy here now i'm going off all over the place here but still these are all good points keep writing them down okay my fifth pick again fifth round i draft david posterdock and a lot of owners kind of get scared with players who have injuries players with injuries get discounts you're looking for how much of a discount david posterdock is a first overall he's not a first overall sorry a first round pick healthy in my mind, healthy, he's a first-round pick. Brad Marchand is close. But David Posternock is it. So his injury keeps him out about a month. What is that month worth? Right? It's about, what, 25%? That's probably what he misses about in games. I think he misses about 20% of the regular season. He's on pace to play mid-February, okay? Season starts mid-January, so about a month. That seems accurate. So to me, misses about 20% of the games. Have I gotten a 20% discount from him in the fifth round? Yeah, I think so. With the players available there, 
that took David Pasternak, who can probably produce a point per game if he plays, let's say, I don't know, 40 games. That's still good. That's still good. In a shortened season, that's pretty good. I'll take it. He can obviously produce more than a point per game. So even if he plays 35 and he finishes with 43 points, that's still pretty good. I'll take it. In the fifth round? Sure. Back to my being flexible with your draft strategy. My first goalie I took in round eight was Peter Morozik. And the goalie run had started here. Like the depth goalie run. Now I started to wake up and say, okay, well, I need a goalie. And I didn't want to miss out too far here. So I took Peter Morozik here. Then I, you know, I drafted Tony D'Angelo and Charlie McAvoy at my next two picks. And I already knew what goalie I was looking for. I knew where the next one was going. Now I needed a value goalie. I drafted Cam Talbot. I don't think Cam Talbot's as bad as people think he is. I think Minnesota might struggle, but they're going to struggle scoring goals. They're not going to struggle with how many are going in their net this season. So Cam Talbot was my value pick there. And then I finished out with Jonas Corposalo two picks later. Sandwich Anze Kopitar in the middle of those two. Then I finished it out with Jared Spurgeon, right? Brian Rust. Brian Rust in round 15 was a joke. I don't know how my league mates let this happen. He's got dual position eligibility, right? So between, sorry, between my Pasternak and Peter Morazic pick, okay, two picks went there. I took Mark Shifley and William Nylander, okay? But back to Brian Rust here. So that so now you know my entire lineup. I finished it with Tim Stutzel. But Brian Rust at 175 overall for round 15. I could have, I wanted to draft him. I'm going to be real. I probably wanted to draft him around pick nine, pick ten, uh, round nine, round 10. So about 100, 115 overall. But I saw that, so Yahoo, we've already spoken about this, but Yahoo and ESPN rankings are completely off. Right, they're not accurate. Brian Rust, unless he was on a draft kit, like the one that I helped produce over at the fantasyalarm.com, he's gone invisible in like the player cues section. So that part there where usually owners just show up and they just look for the best player available and Yahoo tells them where they where they're going based on whatever league settings you have. Like that's distorted, and we all know that. So I saw that Brian Rust was like a hundred and something like a hundred and something overall like he was far and i don't know why i don't know why that's the case brian russ i got him for free last season and he was key he was pretty good right and this year he's gonna skate on the second line if he stays there with evgeny malkin and jason zucker and jason zucker was really good as well coming over from minnesota so that second line is really good and Brian Russ is seeing top power play minutes as of right now. Okay. So he plays all the top power play unit. He plays with Gito and Zucker. And I'm getting him in round 15. What? I wanted to draft another player at 15, but he already went off the board. Anthony Mantha. That's why I wanted to add, but I couldn't. My point in this entire long ramble that I've gone on here, be flexible at the draft table. 
I went in wanting to have my goaltending situation resolved by round five. I didn't have it. I didn't make my first goalie pick until round eight. And I didn't make my second one until round 11. Be flexible at the draft. If everybody zigs, you need to zag. Don't worry about the goalie run. Don't worry about the defense run. I would have much rather started a goalie run. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. Okay? Zigzag. Okay. Next little tidbit of advice here. Okay? This one is specific to head-to-head categories leagues with one win. So the league that I'm basically in. Okay? Now, since we know our, our league scoring settings, right? So we got a total of, I got a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So there's ten league. So there's ten categories that are being counted. In order for me to win the week, I need to win six of them. This is how you focus on a head-to-head categories with a weekly win for it. Now, if your league is set up with head-to-head categories, but each category is worth a win. So example, you win six but you lose four of them then you have a six and four record for the week then yes you need to focus on each a little bit more on each category okay to make sure that but again a little bit more you don't have to win each category the number one mistake owners make is they try to draft for every category and it's not going to happen by the way you're going to diversify too much and you're going to have mediocre stats everywhere and you're not going to win you're not going to win so hits, right? Remember I said we'll come back to hits later. I don't care if Artemi Panarin doesn't hit. I don't care. I don't care if my defenseman doesn't hit, right? Roman Yossi, I don't care. When I walked into that draft, I said, here are the categories I'm focusing on. Goals, assists, power play points, shots on goal, okay? I need to dominate those four categories. And I did right? Goals and assists with the players that I have on my team. A lot of them play on the power play as well. And a lot of them shoot the puck on goal a crazy amount. So Panarin does that for me. Artemi Panarin and Max Pacioretty, Panarin a little bit less, but Pacioretty had 307 shots last year. He is my Alexander Ovechkin on my team. And I got him in round three. Right, Taylor Hall, 232. David Posternak at 279. He's going to have less because he was hurt. Okay, Roman Yossi at 260. 260 shots. He's a defenseman. The, the, the only defenseman that I have, the only player on my team that has more than 100 hits is Charlie McAvoy. He's got 131. Pacioretty. Pacioretty has 307 shots, 90 hits. He's a stat stuffer. You're going to hear that term a lot with players. Players who stuff categories. They're stat, they're, they're stat stuffers. He scores goals. He picks up assists. He gets power play points. He shoots a ton. And he hits a lot. I got him in round three. Panarin does a lot of good things well. He racks up goals. A boatload of assists. Power play points are there. His shot total is all right. Right? 209 shots. Pretty good. It's all right. He's a... Passer than a goal scorer. He's only got 25 hits. Doesn't hit the pot. Doesn't hit, right? But that's not what I'm targeting here. I don't care about hits. If I lose hits every week, it doesn't matter. 
I'll find a defenseman somewhere that all he does is hit and I'll add him, right? Tony D'Angelo doesn't hit. Jared Spurgeon doesn't hit. I don't care. I don't care that they don't hit. For my goalies, real simple. I'm looking at goalies who are going to have a decent, a mid-average goals against average and that are going to see a high volume of shots. I need saves. I need my goals against average to be good. I need my goals against to be low. Wins is an arbitrary category. Okay. Very arbitrary. I didn't take, by not taking a goalie of the super strong, whatever the division is called now, the division of death, basically, the old metropolitan division, right? Where Pittsburgh and Philadelphia now play in. Right, Carolina, I think, has a good team. Peter Morozik might get a 60-40 split with James Reimer, but Carolina doesn't play in a really tough division. Neither does Minnesota. I think Minnesota, especially for Cam Talbot, I think Cam Talbot can be good. He's got nobody to challenge him. He's got nobody. And I got him in round 11. Which is pretty good, right? That's really good. I got a goalie who's going to play a lot. And I don't have to worry about it. Minnesota's in that that division that kind of does very little of very little of nothing. Let me see if I can find the NHL divisions. I want to make sure I get them uh, get them correct here. Um, ta -ta 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 -ta. I think this is correct. I think there's been no changes here. Right, Minnesota's still in the West Division. There again, they've come up with new corporate sponsor names. I don't really care. I'm going to call them what they are. Right, Carolina's in that Central Division. Same thing with Corpusalo, Columbus. Right, they get Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, Tampa Bay. Yeah, outside of Tampa Bay, at least for Carolina, for Peter Morozik, Chicago, Columbus doesn't look like the same thing. Dallas isn't the same. Detroit, Florida, Nashville is a decent team. Like, they're going to be okay. And then I got Columbus in there as well. For Minnesota, outside of Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis, I mean, San Jose might not, San Jose might be better, but. They're not going to scare anybody. Anaheim doesn't score goals, or at least I don't think they will. Arizona can't. Los Angeles can't. Another division that I don't have to worry about, that my goal is not going to get steamrolled. I think the North Division is going to have a lot of goals. I think the East Division is going to be loaded with them as well. So I took goalies. I found value in them who are, going to, who are playing on good teams. Good, not great teams, good teams. They're going to play the majority of the games for the team. And they're going to be able to keep their goal totals low, hopefully. And their goals against the average low. Not bad, huh? I'm not looking to win every category here. The goaltending category, I don't care about shutouts. It's random. I don't care about wins. They'll, they'll, they'll come. But saves as well. I'm looking at goalies who make saves. Are you going to stop the puck a lot? I hope so. I hope they are. Very important. Don't win every category. You can't. If your league counts hits and face-offs and plus-minus, don't focus on that. You'll find hits. I'll find hits on the waiver wire. If I go right now, okay, I'll go right now to the waiver wire. 
Okay. And I'll just put hits. Okay. If I'm really in trouble and I need hits, or if my opponent and I were close to hits, I can just grab Ryan Reeves for the weekend, who finished last season with 316 hits, the most of any player in the NH, the most of any player in the NHL, I think, and just add him to my lineup. And there you go. Everything's fixed. Maybe I'll do the same thing. Grab Brandon Tanev, Matt Martin, William Carrier, Braden McNabb, Lawson Krause. I'm just going down the list here. Ryan Reeves had the most hits. I didn't draft Ryan Reeves because he does nothing of anything else. Doesn't score goals, doesn't pick up assists, has no power play points, doesn't shoot the puck. I'm not picking up one guy who does one thing well. I will grab another player who does a lot of things well, except for one category. You see the thought process here? See how this works? Don't try to win every category. You don't have to. It's not important here, okay? Let's go through a couple more here before we end this, okay? All great strategies, by the way. All great strategies. My other good strategy that I love is it, it pertains to rookies. So I'll always finish my draft by taking a rookie. I want to take a player with high upside. A player I think can make an impact in his first year of the NHL. Now, it's hard, right? Because we've seen former rookies, even first overall rookies, come into the league and you know have a hard time. Jack Hughes, for example. Capococco. It's hard. It's hard for rookies sometimes to get accustomed to what's going on in the NHL or it takes time for them to develop into it. Now, obviously, the sexy pick this year is Alexi Lafreniere. He, I don't remember where he went, but it was too early for my liking. I finished it off with Tim Stutzel. Right? Here's why I draft a rookie late. If it doesn't work out for him, or if I feel like he's not doing much, I could drop him, and I haven't wasted anything. The opportunity cost of where Lafreniere was taken means I'm not taking a player at that point who can really help my lineup. We don't know if Alexi Lafreniere is going to have a good season. He might, but what if he finishes the season, I don't know, with like nine goals and 15 assists? Well, he didn't do much for you. Right? He could. Rangers are loaded. He may not get the time that he needs. He may also explode. But I wasn't willing to take that risk at that point where he was going. So instead, I took Stutzel, who's going to play on a bad team. Right? And again, don't be afraid to draft players on bad teams. Okay? Good players on bad teams means that these bad teams are going to lose or they're going to be trailing a lot and their best players are going to need to be on the ice a lot. Right? So players like Anthony Mantha, Dylan Larkin, anybody who plays in Ottawa. <laughs> these are players I like to target. I like to target players on bad teams. Detroit was so bad last season. And I had shares of Larkin and Mantha everywhere. If Mantha had Mantha stayed healthy, I think he has a different season. But Detroit's losing 3-0 after the first period. That's it for the fourth line. The third line's going to see it here and there. They're just going to roll two lines and try to catch up. They're going to do everything they can to try to push i expect ottawa to be bad so they're going to be playing a lot of catch-up hockey their best players are going to need to play a lot tim stutz is going to see a lot of ice time hopefully or at least i hope he does i hope he sees close to the 18 19 minutes a night 
18, 19 minutes puts him in elite category, right? I know some people don't look at this too much, but time, but ice time per game is a stat that I keep at the back of my mind. I want players with volume. I want players who are playing a lot. How much are you playing? Are you skating more? Yeah. If you're on the ice more, chances are there's a better chance you get points. Mark Shifley played last season over just shy of 22 minutes a game. Anze Kopitar plays 21 minutes. Panarin, 20 minutes. Brian Russ played almost 20 minutes a game. He went round 15, 1945. Brian Russ played, had more time on ice per game, average, than William Nylander and Max Pacioretty. Roman Yossi played 25 minutes a night. Okay. Charlie McAvoy played 23. Now Tory Krug's out of there. Zane Ochara's out of there. More ice time for Charlie McAvoy. Jared Spurgeon played 22 minutes. You know, it's all right. Taylor Hall played 19. I think he gets a bump there because Buffalo's going to be losing. So he might hit the 20. He might hit the 20 minutes per game. I looked at players who played a lot. Max Pacioretty is the player on my team, with the exception of Tim Stutzel, who played the least amount of ice time per game. 17.54. And in those 17 minutes, he was still able to do a lot of stuff. Right? He was still able to throw 90 hits, 307 shots, score goals, and rack up assists. So that's why I didn't really worry about time on ice per game. I don't care about his time on ice. What he's doing with that time, though, is pretty good. Fantasy hockey is about volume. If you're doing, if you're in a situation to succeed a lot, then you're going to have success. If you're playing a lot, then chances are something may happen. All right? The puck may go off your leg and into the net and you get credit with a goal. You can't do that if you're playing 15 minutes a night or 14 minutes. There are lots of players like that. Time on ice per game. Yahoo will give you the stat. Yahoo will give it to you. You can find it. You can look. There are a whole bunch of places that will tell you what how much ice time a player was playing per game. Natural stat trick has it. It's a stat that most people forget. But I'm targeting volume players. How much are you playing? Where are you playing? What are you doing? That's important to me. So draft a rookie late. That's Let's go back here. <laughs> Draft a rookie late. That way, if it doesn't work out, you just drop them. It's fine. You didn't waste anything. You move on to the next one. Don't get tied to your players. Don't get emotionally attached to your players. They don't care about you. If it's not working, move them. Right? Or same thing the other way. If you think a player's over-exceeding, find the owner who believes that he's going to continue to do that. Sell it to him. Do so. Find value. If there's a player who's struggling somewhere else, look to trade him. Look to go trade him. Look, look to go acquire him. That's what I'm trying to say. This is the final tidbit. This has nothing to do with the draft, though. When your season starts, don't make rash decisions. Okay? It is, I know it's not a long NHL season, but there's what, 50 some odd, 56 games? Don't start making rash decisions after four. Don't start trying to trade your whole team after the, your team's played. Your players played four games, okay? I made that mistake last year. I dropped Quinn Hughes at one point. I didn't follow my own advice. Quinn Hughes was a finalist for Rookie of the Year. I dropped him because he was off to a slow start. Terrible decision. 
I didn't follow my own advice. And that didn't end well. I didn't have a good fantasy hockey season last year. When you're dropping Quinn Hughes, you're probably going to struggle. I don't make rash decisions. And this year, I'll probably let players play about 15 games. I'll go 15 games deep, or at least a month and a half. Not saying I won't drop anybody. Or not saying, but I'll probably move a player to an injury spot, right? Barring injuries, of course. But I won't look at I won't give up on a player before I've seen him play about a month of hockey. Players haven't played, some players haven't played hockey in 10 months. I'm going to give them some time to get up to speed now. Because if you start dropping players early, you might end up dropping Quinn Hughes. Or at least the the same player that Quinn Hughes was to me last season. You might drop a player who actually does well. Don't do that. Don't give your don't give your opposing managers an easy opportunity to beat you. I'm not going to go crazy on trades. I'll listen to trade offers, but I'm not going to go crazy trying trying to move players here until I've seen them play. I want to see what's happening. Are you off to a slow start, or are you just not going to be good this season? And that takes time. You don't know that after four games. You have no idea. Don't wait too long, right? Obviously, because you don't want to fall too high. Too you don't want to fall too far behind the eight ball here. But that, to me, is the key one after draft advice. Don't make rash decisions. It's the same thing in fantasy football. You know, your players played one or two weeks, and all of a sudden, you're trying to change the whole out outlook of your team. Don't do that, man. Take a chill pill. Relax and figure it out, okay? And yeah, that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of the podcast. Again, much love to everybody who listens. Uh, I'll be doing them regularly. I know I say that every week, but I got uh, I got a little bit more time. I'll be able to do that. I'll try to drop one every Saturday. I think that's a good time to do it. I'll try to do a podcast at least every Saturday, if not every second one. Trying to do it every week just to keep the consistency going here. Um, so if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Just hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss a podcast. It'll be downloaded directly to where you enjoy your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. You follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast. Thank you all again for listening. Thank you all for being here with me. Have a, Be safe. Wash your hands as always. Pandemic's still going on. Okay. Be safe. And the next time we talk to each other, the NHL season will be in full sway. I love you. Take care. And remember, never draft Martin Jones.